The scripture that was read earlier for your hearing, I will only lift up just a few verses, verses 33 through 35. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and water. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Just for a few minutes today, I'm going to use as a sermon topic, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Let us pray. Lord, it's preaching time, and I ask that as I decrease, that you will increase. Use me as the vessel that you will speak to and speak through to your people. Father, we hope that this word will touch someone in a special way that will bring them to salvation. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. There's a commercial on TV with two impalas talking. Now, impalas are similar to deer. The first impala says, ooh, a lion, as he creeps his head through the bushes. The second impala says, oh, yes, king of the jungle, nonchalantly, time for a red bull. The second impala says, still, you'll never be faster than a lion. The first impala says, I don't have to be quicker than the lion. I just have to be faster than you. The second impala looks shocked, not expecting the first impala to say what he did. Expect the unexpected. That is a sermon all by itself for another day. Amen? In 1973, the Great Secretariat won the Triple Crown consisting of the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont States. On August 4th, 1973, Secretariat ran at Saratoga Racetrack and was defeated by a horse named Onion. It was a great upset. Expect the unexpected. On February 22nd, 1980, the U.S. hockey team defeated Great Russia at the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. It was known as the miracle on ice. Expect the unexpected. On February 11th, 1990, Buster Douglas, who was considered a long shot by many, knocked out and defeated the great Mike Tyson. Expect the unexpected. Ironically, this sermon is not about 
who the Good Samaritan was, but more who was not the Good Samaritan. Jesus was talking with a lawyer and wanted to know what must he do to inherit eternal life. He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will. But the lawyer wanted to know, who is my neighbor? As oftentimes, Jesus would tell parables everywhere he went. So Jesus told a parable about a man that was robbed and beaten and left for dead. Now, not much is known about this man who was traveling, except that we know he was traveling a treacherous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This 17-mile stretch drops 3,300 feet in elevation. It was virtually uninhabited and marked by cliffs and guiles on each side of the road. Thieves often took advantage of unsuspecting travelers. Now in this parable, Jesus uses three people to illustrate his point. First, he uses a priest. Priests usually serve as a representative between people and a higher power. Being are a set of beings. Priests are intermediaries between people and their spirits are God. They teach the proper reverence, gratitude, praise, sacrificial giving, and a way of life that defines faith. In short, priests are holy people. When the priest saw the man beside the road, he crossed over to the other side and passed him by. Perhaps the priest was on his way to perform some type of ritual service, except Jesus tells us that the priests are going down the other way. He is headed from Jericho rather than Jerusalem. Isn't it common to expect compassion from clergy? Would you think that a man of high character would be willing to help? The second person Jesus uses in this parable is a Levite. The role of Levites were to assist the priests in the tabernacle services. Levites also served as teachers of the law of Moses. When the Levites saw the man beside the road, he too passed him by. Maybe the Levite saw the priests pass by and was influenced by his example. Again, isn't it also common to think that one expects a Levi to stop and help? Now, these were men who probably had said, uh, I'm used to keeping all the commandments, including loving your neighbor. But when it came to the moment of their fellow man being in need, when no one else could do a good deed, they failed. Their love failed. Perhaps they feared that the victim was dead, and a Jew touching a dead body is rendered unclean for seven days. Or maybe they thought it was a trick 
Who knows? But true love isn't performing good deeds in order to keep a good conscience. The Samaritan, who is a true neighbor, because he showed mercy and compassion, even though he had nothing to gain from it. Samaritans were a racially mixed society with Jewish and pagan ancestry. Although they worshiped Yahweh, as did the Jews, their religion was not mainstream Judaism. There were people despised by the Jews. The Samaritans were separated and looked down upon by the Jews. Now in today's world, they would be considered lower class. A good Samaritan refers to someone who renders aid in an emergency to an injured person on a voluntary basis. As a Samaritan, he could have felt that he didn't have any obligation. He could have kept walking by also, and could you blame him? He could have done just as the Levite. He could have done just as the priest. But he did stop, and he exceeded expectations to help. That was true selfishness in love. Love has to be shown in a visible and tangible way, folks. It requires concrete deeds that help remedy the specific needs of one's neighbor. So the term Good Samaritan has been a phrase for someone who goes above and beyond to help someone else in their time of need. But the time of need isn't always a dramatic incident. Sometimes of need, we need someone to have compassion. We need someone to be patient, to be gentle, to be loving, rather than irritation, rudeness, or use harsh words. Now let, us, let me bring you into the 21st century and rewrite this passage of scripture and put it in plain words. And this is not to offend anyone. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A preacher, or minister, happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed, he or she passed right on by. So too, a steward, or deacon, or church officer, as known in some churches, came to the place and saw the man and also passed by on the other side. But someone who may not be a Christian or does not go to church came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went on to bandage his wounds, pour on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I could only imagine what the man who was robbed and beaten was thinking. Now let's look at the term robbed and beaten figuratively and not literally. The man was probably saying, I can't believe those Christian church-going folk didn't stop to help me. Don't they read the Bible? Aren't they supposed to have compassion for people? Aren't they supposed to love thy neighbor as thyself? If you think about it, 
Aren't we surrounded by people who have been robbed and battered today? Again, not literally, but figuratively. The disenfranchised, the lonely, the lost, the homeless, the sick, etc., etc. Now, before we criticize the priests and the Levite, and some may be deserved, ask yourself this question. How many people have you passed by? That family member that you don't or have not spoken to in some time? That close friend you turn your back on? The coworker who is being mistreated as you sit by and don't come to their aid? That neighbor's child who doesn't have a decent coat to wear in the wintertime? How many people have you gossiped about? with reckless innuendo and unfounded slanderous accusations. Hello. You see, they may not have been beaten and lied beside the road, but they have been mentally beaten and emotionally beaten. We would also do well to remember the good reasons why we pass by on the other side. We too have urgent duties that will not permit delay. For we all fall short of the glory of God, but thank God for his grace and his mercy. Have you ever been disappointed, hurting, grieving, lost your job, fell on hard times, and you called on someone who you thought was a Christian and was turned away by that person? When you needed a little help, when that relationship was failing, and you needed someone to talk with and to console you, but who you expected to be there was not there for you. Have you ever had a stranger, maybe someone who is not a Christian or someone who doesn't go to church, took the time and gave you more support than expected? Have you ever expect the unexpected? Now let me say, friends, I believe that this is the exception and not the rule. There are many, many good Christians out there that will take the time out, that will show you love, that will show compassion. For I know this to be true just starting here in this church. I know this to be true because of some of the friends that I have. I know this to be true because of some of the co-workers that I have. And let's be honest. We all may have an off day. We all may not be on our best game that day. We all may be preoccupied sometimes. And that's okay. Truth be told, you may have caught me this week at a bad time. People may not always be who you expect them to be. But I know a man who is expected to do a lot of unexpected things. I know a man who has healed the sick when they didn't expect to be healed. I know a man who has made a way out of no way unexpectedly. I know a man who has given sight to the blind, who has made the lame walk, I know a man who has turned water into wine unexpectedly. 
I know a man who can pick you up and turn you around and place your feet on solid ground. I know a man, and you can expect him to walk with you and talk with you and tell him that he is your own. I know a man who can expectantly change your life with one word. I know a man who was there for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I know a man who was there for Daniel in the lion's den when the lion's jaws were locked. I know a man who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know a man who loved us so much that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. I know a man who hung on a cross called Calvary and died for our sins. But that's not how the story ends, ladies and gentlemen, because three days later, he got up. He got up with power, with power, with power in his hands. That's why we can say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. All for a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchased by God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is, this is, this is my story. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. Praising my Savior all the day long. Folks, you can expect the unexpected from God. He can do anything but fail. Just trust him. Just have faith in him. Believe in him. He is, he is the only one and true God that can do it all. If you just have the faith inside of a mustard seed and believe that all things, not some things, not most things, but all things are possible with God. Expect the unexpected. God bless you.